You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, the birth of Isaac. Although Sarah laughed with disbelief when she heard she would bear a son within a year, we are told the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. God always keeps his promises, and he is gracious to those who are suffering. It happened just as God said, and at the very time God had promised. These things should not surprise us. They were not given this child because they were ideal parents. Their sin is not hidden in scripture. Abraham lied twice to save his own skin. Sarah was harsh and unfeeling towards Hagar. But it's because of grace, and that's why they appreciated him so much. And this was the origin story of Israel. They were reminded of it as they entered Canaan. Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac. As he had been instructed, Abraham named the son born to him and Sarah Isaac. And just as he had been instructed, when Isaac was eight years old, Abraham circumcised him. And we discussed how the clotting factor prothrombin is the highest in a newborn on the eighth day. But our Creator knows such things. Abraham was a hundred years old and Sarah was ninety. Let that sink in. And this happened 25 years after the promise was originally given. Abraham was 75 then and still had no children. Having to wait 25 years for the promise increased their patience and their faith. They waited a literal lifetime. The name Isaac means laughter. Both Abraham and Sarah had laughed at the news. Now little laughter was born, and I'm sure she laughed as she nursed him for the first time. We are told Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. This was now a laughter of joy. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Sarah's barrenness had ended. Verses 8-21, through 21, Hagar and Ishmael sent away. So Isaac was weaned around the second or third year, and Abraham made a feast to celebrate the passage from infancy to childhood. We should always acknowledge with thanks that God brings children through birth and their early years. And this is the basis for the Jewish coming-of-age celebration of Bar Mitzvah and Bat Mitzvah, which acknowledges that the child is old enough to observe religious precepts and take part in public worship. They say Isaac was weaned from childishness. I would think the age is more closely related to the age Ishmael was when he was circumcised, which was 13, but apparently not, according to Jewish sources, perhaps because they don't want to be associated with Ishmael. Like his mother Hagar had shown contempt of Sarah because she was pregnant and Sarah was not, now Ishmael looked down on this new son. He scoffed or mocked. Scoffing is an intense laughter. Ishmael must have known that he had been displaced by his younger brother, 
both in his inheritance and in his father's affections. Abraham had laughed with delight. Sarah laughed with disbelief. They both laughed with joy when little laughter was born. And now his stepbrother laughs with scorn. And this results in an angry response from Sarah. She has always had a dysfunctional relationship with Hagar. She could imagine the next generation continuing the family feud, and she would not have it. She tells Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Notice she doesn't name either of them. Ishmael is now 16 or 17 years old which in that culture is old enough to begin life on its own, on his own. Abraham is distressed by this for several reasons. First, the social laws of the time, like the Code of Hammurabi, forbade the expulsion of the son of a handmaid if a natural heir was born. And this probably also didn't feel right to Abraham, and he had great love for his first son. And the last time he listened to Sarah's suggestion, it didn't go so well. He likely would not have agreed if God didn't tell him. Do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to what Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. If Ishmael were to stay, he may have further mocked, influenced, persecuted, or even harmed Isaac. God wanted them apart. And because God knows Abraham is concerned for Ishmael, he adds, I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. It's Ishmael's connection to Abraham that leads to his blessing of becoming a nation. But it's through Isaac that the promise of blessing to the world will come. Abraham obeys quickly. Early the next morning, Abraham takes some food and a skin of water and gives them to Hagar. He sends her off with Ishmael. She travels south into the desert around Beersheba. A skin of water will not last long between two people in a desert. When the water was gone, Hagar was sure they would die, and she couldn't bear to see that happen to her son. She put him in the shade of a bush and sat down nearby and began to sob. Yet it's not her crying that catches the ear of God, but Ishmael's tears. His scoffing has changed to cries of anguish. His situation has gone from favored son to rejected son, and he is well aware of it. They may not have realized what great privileges were theirs while they lived with Abraham, but their behavior has resulted in their loss. We are told the person who speaks to him is the angel of God, but the actions and words are those of God. He says, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And this is the second time God has spoken to Hagar, even though she is considered an outsider. And she is also the only woman God calls by name. This would remind her of the promise God made to both her and Abraham. We should always care for our children because we don't know what plans God has in store for their lives. God doesn't just give her a promise, but he provides for their needs. There was a well nearby, but she didn't see it until God opened her eyes to it. 
She refills the skin of water and gives her son a drink. They survive and thrive. We are told God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Then, while he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. And this is not surprising, since they were now separated from Abraham's influence, and Hagar would have longed for him to have an Egyptian connection. Through this we see that although God's primary means of blessing will be through Isaac, and later Israel, yet he still blesses Hagar and Ishmael. God sees the outsiders, abused and sent away. He provided for their physical needs and gave them hope for the future. He freed them from slavery and blessed Ishmael's offspring. We are even told God was with the boy as he grew up. Verses 22 to 34, the treaty at Beersheba. Time has passed. Abimelech, who has allowed Abraham to live on his land wherever he chose, has noticed that God has blessed him greatly. He comes to Abraham along with Phicol, the commander of his forces, perhaps for a bit of intimidation. He says, God is with you in everything you do. Now swear to me, here before God, that you will not deal falsely with me or my children or my descendants. Show to me and the country where you now reside as a foreigner the same kindness as I have shown you. Abimelech still feels the sting of Abraham's earlier deception and wants to make sure that there will be peace between their descendants for generations to come. He asks him to swear before God not to deal falsely with him or his offspring. I think he could have added, again. He reminds Abraham of how kind and generous he had been to him. For an unbeliever, he sure mentions God a lot. Probably because he knows Abraham is associated with God, and if he makes him swear by his God, he is more likely to fulfill it. He called Abraham a foreigner, and it was true. Although he was living there, he had not purchased any property. Abraham swears to the oath. Isaac will also live in Gerar in the future. Abraham then complains to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized from him. Water resources were limited in, in the region, so this was a serious charge. Abimelech claims his innocence again, which was probably true. His servants must have acted on their own. He says, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. It again reflects favorably on the character of Abimelech that as soon as he hears of a problem, he makes it right. Then Abraham brings sheep and cattle to Abimelech and they make a treaty. But then he does something familiar to him, but unfamiliar to Abimelech. He sets apart seven ewe lambs from the flock. Abimelech asks what this means. He said they are a witness that Abraham had dug the well in question. Abimelech had brought along Phicol, the commander of his forces, as a witness. Abraham had only these lambs. They swore an oath there at Beersheba, which means either well of the oath or well of the seven. Then they separate, and Abimelech and Phicol return to the southwest coast of Canaan, which is the home of the Philistines. So Abraham plants a tamarisk tree at the site, both to mark the oath made there 
and also one of Abraham's worship sites. Jacob will go to this spot as he considers traveling out of Canaan to go to Egypt. And he calls on the name of the Lord, the Eternal God. And this name reminds him that God's promises are unbreakable, even though he was just a foreigner in the land. He was establishing public worship in that place. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ are in application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? The birth of Isaac was surrounded by great expectations. He was the son of promise, and his arrival confirmed the covenant. In that sense, he is a picture of Christ, who would also come at a set time, and as a fulfillment of God's word. Paul said that God preached the gospel to Abraham because this wasn't just about their own family's joy, but a blessing to the whole world through his seed, Jesus. Galatians 3.16 says, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So the promise was due to grace, not because they deserved it, since we are told about their sins of lying, Abraham, and harshness, Sarah. When we realize we don't deserve to be saved, but it is entirely due to the mercy and grace of God, we should be more thankful and joyful. Abraham and Sarah believed that God would fulfill his promise in spite of their impossible circumstances. Paul says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. He then links it to our faith in Christ. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised our Lord from the dead. Like Sarah was amazed, who would have said that Sarah would nurse children? God's goodness to us exceeds our expectations. He does so much for those who deserve so little. So we should also say, who would have said that God should send his own son, that he should suffer death by crucifixion at the hands of his creatures, that he should grant them forgiveness of such great sins, give them the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit and eternal life. The birth of Isaac, whose name means laughter, fulfilling the promise at long last, brought joy. When Jesus was born, angels announced his birth and said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The Apostle Paul compares the two mothers and the two sons in Galatians 4, 21-31. So we'll discuss the deeper meaning of that when we get there. But he is basically saying that they represent two different covenants. The old covenant of slavery to works and the new covenant based on the son of promise, 
which makes us free. Ishmael mocked Isaac. Paul said this was typical of the kind of persecution the people of God received from unbelievers. Sarah rightly worried that Isaac might be in danger from Ishmael. We need to be separate from the world. Love drove Hagar to cry out for the life of her son. Should not the prospect of the eternal punishment of unbelievers move us to cry out on their behalf? There was a well nearby, but Hagar didn't see it until God opened her eyes to it. So it is with the gospel. It's nearby and offers living water, but we need the eyes of faith to see it. Now that we have found that well, we need to point others to it. God blessed Hagar and Ishmael even though they were cast out. God shows common grace to unbelievers. Abimelech recognized the blessing of God on Abraham's life. It's wise to connect with those who are close to God and learn from their example and show kindness to, to those who have been kind to us. Abraham entered into an oath with Abimelech to prevent disputes in the future. As much as it lies within our power, we are to live at peace with all people. Abraham worshipped openly in the land where he was a foreigner, so that everyone knew his association with God. Wherever we go, we should not neglect worship, nor be ashamed of it. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 22. May God bless the study of his word.